Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. What's up, what's up, what's, what's up? What's up, Matt? How are you doing? Doing great, doing great. Good. Oh my gosh, he's real. <laughs> this is Father Fa- Nathan, Matt. <laughs> Father Nathan, nice to meet you. Nice kind to meet of. you. Hey, sorry to miss you for dinner the other night. Ah, oh, no worries. I would love to meet you. I always love listening to you on these things, so. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah, man. Folks, this is Catholic Stuff, and uh, are you putting this under your own podcast as well? Yeah, I'll, I mean, if that's okay, I yeah. will, yeah. Pints, Pint with Aquinas, right? Well, I have two podcasts. One's Pints with Aquinas, which is sort of like my philosophy geek podcast, and then I have one called Integrity Restored, which is all about overcoming porn and stuff. Well, so, you, you just that let, one. You just let yeah. the cat out of the bag. <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna are we, are we are we sending this to the world yet, Father Nathan? Or are we what are we are we actually recording right now? Or are we considering this part? Yeah, this is okay. part of it. <laughs> yeah, he jumped right into it. Then. We did jump think, right. Into I don't think we've said anything bad. <laughs> no, we haven't. But I, glory to Jesus Christ. Glory, glory forever. forever. There we go. See, Matt, Matt knows the response to. All right, I'm I actually I'm kind of starstruck right now. And maybe maybe it's just because <laughs> Stop you, it. you're you're from like a, a different you know like culture and whatever else, but you sound really important. The accent's all made up. He's from yeah. Atlanta. <laughs> no, I actually I was watching uh, a friend of mine posted on Instagram the other day that uh, that she was seeing Matt Frad in California. I was like, ooh, Matt Frad, you know. <laughs> Were you well, in California recently, I mean, Matt? I was. I was in Santa Barbara. It's ah. a beautiful, beautiful place. Yes. My friend second, Skyler. Second only to maybe uh, Victoria uh, off, uh, off, the coast of, uh, <laughs> off the coast of BC. There you go. British Columbia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, see, Matt, I'm guessing one of the reasons why you decided to live <laughs> in, uh, in Atlanta was because it was such a big airport, right? Because you travel all the time. Yeah, that was I mean, that was a nice bonus. It wouldn't oh, okay. have been the only thing that drove me here, but it was like a cherry on top sort of thing. Right. You wanted to be in the epicenter of Chick-fil-A. That's that's, <laughs> what, that's all I cared about. I understand. We we did almost an entire podcast on Chick-fil-A because Father Nathan's like a pro. They know him by name at every Chick-fil-A right. in Denver, but I, I've only gone a few that. times. I heard, that ep- I heard that episode. I remember uh, Father Nathan scolding you because you didn't know how to dip the nuggets right Exactly. Exactly. Man, this guy's this guy's on it. The, the, the important Yeah, thing. I listen to you guys. Can I, can I ask you a hey, quick, quick question? Can I ask you a quick Just real question? quick. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, sorry, just real quick. Is my microphone coming through clear? Yeah, I right. can hear you. Yeah. It, there's nothing worse than recording. Recording a whole podcast and then realizing I didn't have it set to my good microphone. So I just wanted to check. Oh, yeah. I, I did that on Leodera's podcast one time. We had to scrap the entire thing because uh, she never, I, yep. I, I'm probably talking outside of school here, but she, she didn't have the right microphone plugged in. But anyway. Yeah, it's a plan. Anyway, what were you going to say, Father Nathan? Okay, so um, I've, I've heard a, a legend before, and I just want you to confirm it, okay? Yep. In the song uh, "Land Down Under" by Men at Work, mm-hmm. there is a part in there where he says, where the where the artists say, "Where the women blow and men chunder." Is it true? Is it is it women? Is it women glow? Oh, is it glow or blow? I don't yeah, know. I, I think glow would make more okay, sense. Okay, where women glow and men chunder. I heard that chunder meant that they that they that's the Australian term for vomit. Is that wrong? That's correct. Chanda means vomit. So mm. what, what exactly are they saying? I don't know. Uh, I guess uh, we can't handle the beauty of Australian women and therefore oh. have to drink to be socially uh, you know, okay, apt okay. with them and end up throwing up. I don't know. Thank wow. you. All right. Well, then, uh, uh, urban myth <laughs> yeah. confirmed partially. <clears throat> yeah, so, my favorite bit about that song is the Vegemite sandwich. Oh, yeah. I have, I have actually consumed Vegemite. Um, yeah. And it and is... lived to tell the tale. What, what, what is that stuff? It's yeast extract, which I guess I get doesn't sound amazing, but we grew up with it. You know, it's sort of it's as popular in Australian cupboards as peanut butter is here. So wow. I've heard. What do you what do you eat it with? You know what's really good? My wife. It took her a while to like it, but she found that if she, it's it's more of a savory thing. Yeah. So often yeah. people see the black and they think chocolate or something, but she'll put it on toast with like cream cheese and egg on oh, top. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. You should try. I think it has to be paired well. You know? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So is it popular because it's healthy or because it tastes no, good? No, no. This is it tastes good. Wow. Okay. Right. I, I've never had it, so maybe I'll have to do that. 
I hope this. I hope this isn't offensive to you. You know, like as, as, you know, it's just like, oh my god, I'm an Australian and I'm talking about Vegemite. You know, it's just like, yes, we do eat a yeast extract. Can we no, get back? I, can we get I back to something up. more important? I put it up. It's okay. Yeah, I'm so happy to talk about it. People only talk about Father Nathan's uh, frolet, his afro, and yeah. his oh, I mullet. See a photo of Father Nathan. Someone's gonna send me that. I don't. I don't even know what you look like. Oh, well. Yeah, it's 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 probably like the appearance of Vegemite. You know, it just, it I look like how Vegemite tastes. It's delicious, <laughs> but it takes a while to appreciate right. how. To- <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. That's, that's so true. I, I sent someone the picture the other day, Father Nathan. You, you saw me ask for it of you wearing the star suit, smoking a cigarette mm-hmm. back in the day before you had your glorious frolic, and uh, I yep. sent it to them because it was it was epic. And what what was the title? So somebody made somebody made us beer. I think don't they like almost every year they make beer for the companions and they yes. kind of choose one of us to base the beer on. Yes, <laughs> and 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 that year it was called Go Bale for yep. Gobel. And what what was the what was the subtitle? Um, uh, oh, I know. Go ahead. Full of body. Yeah, full of stronger body. than you'd like. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Go Bale. That's it. Full of body, stronger than you'd like. Yeah. Uh, I brilliant. will send you. I will send you a picture of me uh, that is clothed. Uh, so that, um, it's uh, you know, like yeah. above board. I'll settle. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> so let's just dive into the topic because that's somewhat related. You know, images, yeah, yeah. images yeah. that lead you closer to uh, to the or further to... away from. Amen. Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, Matt, I uh, I admit I was not able to skim the entire book, but I loved the introduction by the way i have a i have a signed copy in front of me of the porn myth that i received this is this is a matt frad's book called the porn myth exposing the reality behind the fantasy of pornography i received this before it even came out i'm very honored to say and i got a signed copy i'm very honored to say um so i anyway i read read the introduction um it was an amazing introduction that really did make me want to read the rest of the book um, cool. Thank so, you. so thank you. I think that's what makes a good introduction. But um, I guess I I have about seven things that struck me about the introduction and about some of your um, titles here. But uh, before that, Father Nathan has a question he's raising. Well, his hand. Matt, I mean, congratulations. Uh, it's, this book is called The Porn Myth through Ignatius Press, um, which is a very reputable and uh, worldwide distributor. So congratulations. Um, if you want to give just a, a precious of of the book uh then we can kind of engage in perhaps a deeper conversation around it uh, give a what a little plug is what do you mean well by... just uh just a short summary or perhaps some yeah. points that you'd yeah. like us to kind of go towards just real quick yeah uh it's a non-religious response to pro-pornography arguments we live in a secular society and you know the moral argument for why pornography is wrong or you know, arguments based on religious dogma aren't often received well. And just like we need, you know, logical and scientific arguments uh, against abortion, I think we can make arguments from science and logic against pornography. So that's Good. where the idea of the book came from. I speak to about fifty to 70,000 teenagers and college students every year, so I feel like I've heard almost every question. I'm sure I haven't heard all of them. Uh, and so I just really try and and uh, present the research. I mean, as you can see, there's about 40 pages in the bibliography, and 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 much of that is from peer-reviewed journals or or experts in different branches of science that have looked at this. And what we're seeing is that, you know, whether it's neurology, psychology, sociology, all of it is saying that pornography is detrimental to the consumer, to the relationships, uh, you know, and and to society at large. And um, you know, so that's 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 a basic plug, I guess. Great. Yep. Yeah. Obviously, you. much much needed. Um, I, I'll I'll say this, Matt. A couple things. I I brought the book into uh, Jelly U, the restaurant I go to in the mornings, and uh, yeah, yeah. And I I just put it in front of me and kind of asked some of the baristas that are there, some of the servers that I know, um, just kind of basic things, and they were intrigued that somebody would write a book about this. I mean, it, I was, I think it's, I mean, people are, are very immersed in society and I think they're kind of, they're not only 
like shocked that a book could be like written about this because it is so accepted by people, but they were so glad it happened. They, these were two women, right. especially they were so glad that there's actually like intentional work being put into this. Cause I think even if some people would say, no, this is, this is not a bad thing. It's, it's accepted by society. I think there's something deeper down in our humanity, especially in women that say, I'm glad this, you know, someone's actually shaking things up a bit. I'm glad somebody is a voice saying, this is something we need to, you know, to look deeper into it. It shouldn't be just accepted as, as, you know, a pastime activity or something that's harmless, but there's something deeper in our, in our humanity, of course, with us, image and likeness of God, that, that is, abhors this and realizes there's something wrong about it. Yeah, spot on. And this is not just a religious issue. This is a, well, it's a human rights issue. And it's, you know, I've made many a friend now, um, be they Muslim, atheist, uh, Jew, uh, some Marxist, feminist, atheist professors that I know, Gail Dines, anybody, Um, and Robert Robert Jensen. And these people, you know, we disagree about a lot. Um, But we all agree that the world would be better off without sexual exploitation. So it's been really cool to see how we have kind of gotten together on this issue and brought our own uh, gifts and traditions to the issue because I can benefit from the from the wisdom and, and knowledge of an atheist or a, a Muslim because we're all coming at this thing from you know different perspectives and I feel like what I get to bring to the table is you know the wisdom of John Paul II um, and it, when I do it it usually blows their head off I mean they, they can't yeah. they, the depth of that man's wisdom is so appreciated in yeah. this battle I can tell you that yeah yeah, but then our LDS brothers and sisters or LDS friends, they're doing amazing work, amazing work, um, very creative and energetic and uh, fruitful work in this area. So, you know, uh, I think Peter Crave said, when a maniac is at the door, feuding brothers reconcile. Hmm. And uh, the main the maniac is the belief that the human person is reducible to his body parts yeah. and uh, fails to see him or her as the outward expression of, uh, of the tremendous mystery that the human person is. Yeah. the uh, I, I think that there's something in the devils at work in this, of course, but there there's something where we want, we humans, we want what is black and white. You know, we kind of rest in something if it's, if it's n- not gray, if it's not confusing, we want the black and the white. And so right. you have various people that, that are, you know, saying it's only about the body, you know, there's, that's what it makes up. This is a lot of, I think of our insecurities, but then people say we're merely human. We die. There's, there's nothing else that happens after that. There's no eternal invisible soul. You know, everything that is, is real is perceivable by the five senses, etc. And then you get the people on the other side that say the only important thing is, is the invisible, is the mind, is the spirit. And, and of course, that's Gnosticism. But I, I understand why Gnosticism is so attractive because it is easier to say that, that things are not confusing, that it's either one or the other. But, of course, this leads to abuse. It leads to, to anxiety because it's not real. It's not really the way that God created us. And, and both lead to sexual immorality or mm. tend towards it. Because if all I am is my body, then who cares what I do with it? Yes. Uh, conversely, if I am not my body, then whatever I do with my d- body won't affect me, yep. you see? So it's, yeah, it's this, uh, this understanding that the body, the person is a body-soul composite. Yeah. yeah. I know you know that. Sorry. Yeah, no, but, th- but thank you. Absolutely. So I, I wanted to uh, just run through a couple things in, in, in the introduction, because again, this is just pornography is going to be the topic of this podcast. And I think your introduction gave a good overview. I know in this podcast, I'm always trying to kind of sum up every topic we do in its fullness. I know that's not really what we're doing here. But um, but I, I thought that you started out in the introduction with, with an, a great image of the moths and how those moths... Um, apply to our our human overexposure to um you know erotic sexual materials could, right. could you explain that matt yeah so um someone brought in the gypsy moth uh to thinking it would be a great boon for for society um they, they brought it in from europe and um Within the whole point of it was to attempt to spur a growing American silk industry, but it didn't take long. It was about ten years that there were just swarms of these things devastating forests, and so scientists eventually came up with this these synthetic pellets that contained the scent of female moths. 
that they uh, released uh, over these forests. And when they did that, they found that these male moths were so overwhelmed by this, you know, synthetic uh, pheromone, as it were, that they didn't know which way to turn, and they ended up dying. <laughs> and uh, the analogy, of course, is that at when we industrialize sex, um, when when we give people portable X-rated movie theaters, also known as iPhones, at the age of six, right, right. Um, that you know they they fry themselves and they no longer know how to appreciate the beauty of another person, and it warps their sexual template and, and all sorts of stuff and that's what we're seeing i mean look around i mean we've talked about this father a lot um you know how many beautiful catholic single women out there who would love to get married aren't even being asked out on dates yep. and you know don't get me wrong i'm not accusing every you know catholic young adult male of being addicted to pornography or, or anything like that but i think there has been this sort of widespread emasculation in our society i, I read an article in china where because of the abortion that takes place, you know, even if you were a young man looking for a woman, you might not be able to find one. And it's almost like the opposites happened in the West, where yeah. it's like there's maybe a lot of Catholic women ready to be married, but may not get to, actually. Like that might be the cross the Lord is, you know, calling them to bear based on the circumstances they find themselves in. Yeah. You and know? That, that's a horrible, evil thought to think that, that these these women's, in a sense, their vocations are being altered because of the addictions of men. I, I wrote a I wrote an article recently. It wasn't very popular. It was called "There's not out There's not someone out there for everyone." And yes, you might die alone. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're welcome, ladies. Uh, That's right. Where Where exactly did this article get posted? Uh, on my little blog. Okay. I was gonna say, but in women's the, home journal, it wasn't exactly well received. <laughs> Right, and of course, we, this is probably true of both sexes. But it certainly is true of both sexes. I mean, this idea that there's a soulmate out there for someone that's really more platonic than it is sort of Christian, I think. Um, so anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, we, we might be being called to carry these particular crosses. Like someone might have to end up settling for somebody and in so doing, maybe abandon Christ. You know, yeah. just like you think of maybe like the in World War Two or the First World War where husbands had to go off to war and they were maybe killed in battle. This was the particular cross women of that time had to carry, you know. Um, anyway, we're kind of getting off topic. But ne needless to say, I think pornography emasculates men, right? Because love says this is my body given up for you. Lust says this is your body taken by me. Yes. And wow. we end up, you know, acting, you know, anti-Christ. Right. If, if you're only saying that it's uh, pornography is emasculating, what is it from the woman's side? Because there is a, a large degree of women that are mm. addicted to a, a different kind of pornography. Many times it's uh, writings as opposed to uh, perhaps pictures, but then inevitably it leads to the same. Yeah, I mean, we got to say that loud and clear for the beautiful women who are listening to this podcast that many young women struggle with visual pornography, just like many men do. And I think the idea that men are somehow more sexually stimulated by images than women, that might be true. But it, I can tell you as someone who speaks on, you know, high school campuses and college yes. campuses, that isn't something that resonates with them. Mm. Um, it's actually quite offensive, I think. And so let's just put it out there. You know, there's beautiful Catholic women who listen to your podcast weekly and they struggle with pornography and or masturbation in silence. And that's unfortunate. And I think we as a church have really failed women in this regard. Because what happens when you go to a Steubenville conference, right? They break up into men's and women's. And over at the men's conference, what are they talking about? Porn. Yep. You go over to the women's conference, what are they talking about? Being a princess or something. <laughs> you know, like, if I was a woman, woman I'd be like, I'm just going to go and have a beer. You know? But, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, thankfully, that's changing. Don't get me wrong. That wasn't a slur on Superville conferences. I think that's just how we've grown. And, and the, finally, we're beginning to realize more and more that this is something that, that, that women and men struggle with. Yeah. And we need to address it. Because otherwise, you're just in a pit of isolation. And the sin is shameful enough without people telling you that you shouldn't struggle with this because of your sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one one thing, Matt, that I I did like about your introduction as well is that, you know, we don't always want to, you know, scare people into acting correctly, scare people into virtue. But but there is something that I, and 
you know, you've been much more eloquent about this than I have in, in your writings and in your podcast. But, you know, when I when I have someone, you know, come for spiritual direction, come for confession and and, you know, they're, they're trying to find a reason in the moment of temptation to not do what they're tempted to do. In this case, look at pornography. You know, I think there it's it's important from a pastoral point of view to give them something in that moment of, of temptation to say, here's why this is going to be more harmful than you realize. You know, you, your book's called The Porn Myth. All these myths, all these lies that that, that the world and the, the pornography industry is trying to tell us that either it's not harmful, that it's helpful. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the introduction that it is these moths when they were, you know, when they gave them, in other words, many more pheromones than they were used to when they were seeking out a mate, they got confused or disinterested. You know, this is this is something because of the overexposure of what they were seeking um, in this way. You know, and so you mentioned that that pornography can become like a drug. It's like we get addicted to it and actually change the way our brains work. It changes our expectations when it comes to sex and, and it distorts it and it confuses us and it, it makes it makes us disinterested in the true beauty of what the gift of the sexual act that God has given us. Yeah, yeah, amen. Um, there was a study published, uh, when was it? I think 2014 now. The lead researcher and neuroscientist's name was Simone Kuhn. Uh, it came out of the Max Planck Institute in Germany. And what they found was when they compared brain scans of porn users with uh, scans of non-users, they found that the more porn the person had used, the less his reward center activated when porn images were flashed on a screen. Mm. And so and here's a quote from them. What they said is, this is in line with the hypothesis that internet exposure of, uh, sorry, intense exposure of pornographic stimuli results in a downregulation of the natural neural response to sexual stimuli. So this study, the brain on porn, actually showed that moderate porn use leads to can lead to volume loss in the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, be- and because of how pornography affects the brain, you, you find this this atrophy of uh, of the neurotransmitter dopamine, which is a plays a key role in the pleasure reward centers of the brain. What ends up happening is the person in the addicted state has to seek out more harder forms of whatever that drug is. Exactly. Yeah. And when it comes to porn, this is why it always escalates in one of two ways. You either start watching more, you know, you start dissociating entirely and spend the whole night looking at porn and it felt like 10 minutes, uh, and or you start viewing more perverted material just to boost the dopamine up enough to feel normal. And that sucks, actually. And that's something people have a right to know. Yes. But the good the good news is, right, the brain is uh, plastic. Uh, not, not that it's made of polyethylene, but that it's... Uh, constantly making new connections and rewiring. It's what neuroscientists call neuroplasticity, that the brain changes due to the behaviors that we do. And so um, that's the good news. I, in, the, in the introduction, I talk about three different studies. One was on methamphetamines. One was on overeating towards addic- uh, obesity. One was yes. on severe sex addiction. Mm-hmm. All of them showed a shrinkage in the, in, the, in the prefrontal cortex, which is the managerial sort of center of the brain. It's what helps us make good decisions. But over time, the studies showed a healing in these areas of the brain. So that's exciting because someone – I remember when I came back from Rome, when I came to Christ at World Youth Day and addicted – maybe addicted, I don't know. Maybe I was just looking at a lot. It was becoming a problem. And you know, when a priest would say to me, well, just try harder and pray a Hail Mary, mm-hmm. I, I nodded sagely and then remained unhelped. Yeah. You know, I, I, It was like getting into the – octagon is it with a ufc fighter yeah (laughs) yeah and someone saying well just do your best that's all anyone can hope you know you're like okay that's what it was like but the good news is it doesn't always have to be like that but we need some serious help not just solely spiritual advice because that doesn't help it feels good but it doesn't get us anywhere it's kind of like masturbation really like when someone says to you and this could this could be taken the wrong way by some of your listeners so i hope that they're going to try and hear me sympathetically Mm -hmm. but when all you're told is to put a picture of mary at the corner of your computer or you know start making a holy hour that isn't enough because there are people who make holy hours every day and are still addicted to porn and then i know people who are atheists in their 20s who haven't looked at porn in years yeah so grace builds upon nature, right? Yeah. There's one of those little Thomistic lines that we all nod sagely at. And yet, if we don't understand the nature of porn addiction, what we end up doing is just throwing grace-sounding words at people, mm-hmm. and it doesn't help them. It's 
but it, it's sort of like if you think about if you met someone with clinical depression, right, and they were exhibiting signs of that, you would say more to them than, hey, meditate on the joyful mysteries or, hey, Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 through 8. You know, St. Paul says be joyful in the Lord. It's a choice, brother. It's a you know, like you would do more than that. And I think uh, we should be doing more when it comes to helping people who are struggling with porn addiction. Well, I'm, I mean, as a confessor, Matt, um, you have limited time with these persons. And so often what happens is they are masking repeated usage behind, I can just go to confession. Um, and then they go to confession. And part of it is uh, you want to ascertain from them, what are you doing in your life other than looking at porn? What are the relationships that you have? What are the friendships that you have? What are the dreams or aspirations that you have? Um, if you connect them into the deeper desires of their life, then hopefully what you're doing is awakening them to the fact that they are numbing the longing that they have for something more behind this sin. I'm glad that you mentioned drug use. I'm glad that you mentioned eating because I, I have to tell people in confession from time to time, you know, some people go to shopping, some people go to food, some people go right. to sex. There's a multitude of ways, but ultimately... We have deeper longings in our life that we're not even addressing, and you're masking them by just centering on, uh, well, if I finally got over porn. Well, you may not look at porn and still be an atheist, you know? Mm -hmm. um, right. So Those are good I, points. I, I would totally agree with you. I, I, I try I, – I also don't want to totally freak out with certain persons because <clears throat> just because they're looking at pornography doesn't mean that they're more wicked sinners – than somebody else who's, you know, whatever. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, our our penances are hopefully not just um, medicinal, like hopefully they're adding some balm to their to their life, but hopefully they're directing them towards the root cause of their sin. So thank you for mentioning that. Can I, can I say, I work for Integrity Restored, <laughs> and our theological advisor, his name is Father Sean Kilcoley. Let me just really briefly mention the four questions he suggests that priests ask in the confessional yeah. to a penitent who has confessed porn. Okay. Number number one, he'll say, um, how often are you falling to pornography? Mm -hmm. And the reason he asks that is because, as you and I know, it's a lot easier to kind of go to Father, a different priest every week or every couple of days. And you just have to say, well, it's been two days since my last confession. I looked at pornography once. Yes. Right? And we priest hop, so I don't have to say, well, it's, you know— I love to look at porn every day. So that's the first question. How often are you struggling with this? And if the person says, ah, I'd say once every six months, Father doesn't ask any more questions. Mm -hmm. But usually yes. it's not that. Usually it's two times a week, two times a week, you know, maybe once a week. The next question he asks is, when were you first exposed to pornography? How long has this been happening? Okay. Because what, what we know is the earlier one is exposed, the more deeper ingrained this is. The third question is, are you speaking to anyone about this outside yeah. of the confessional? Yes. Because there's a big difference between speaking to my friend Bob over a beer and, a, you know, a good therapist. And finally he says, do you want to stop? Yes. And he, and he says at this point they usually pause. Huh. And then they and then they'll say, "Yeah, I, I want to stop." And Father will then say, "If you want to stop, I can help you stop, but I need you to meet with me outside of the confessional." Yeah, exactly. Now that doesn't require ongoing counseling on the part of the priest. What that requires is that the priest have an arsenal of resources, such as a local SA group, good therapists in the area, yes. a book or so forth. They meet with you once. You you talk to them about accountability software, and you give them these things. But I mean, because I agree, you have limited time in the confessional, but that, that I find, I, I mean, if I were a priest, that's what I'd be doing, I think. Yeah, that's great. Those are great questions. And I think that's a really good point because that was going to be my question. You kind of answered it, Matt, is that, you know, people that are listening to this podcast, we have a lot of non-Catholic listeners, but most of them are people who pray, you know, so that, that they know that aspect. And of course, none of us pray enough or intensely enough, but there is always this, most people know that that, that is one of the tools um, that that you use to battle sin, um, but what what are the other things? And I I think this is something that you mentioned earlier. You know, when you can use um, what what do you call it? Software. Um, yeah, like Covenant Eyes is the yeah, best accountability and filtering out there. There we go. Yeah. Like accountability but, software. Go ahead. Yeah. These things are a pain in the butt. Okay, can we just be honest? You know, yes. these things, it's a pain to have to put this thing on your device. It's a pain to have to figure it it's, out. It's the equivalent um, of a genital cuff. Okay. <laughs> uh, but when you have certain people, you, yeah. you might have to use that. 
I don't know what that is, but I don't <laughs> want to ask, so I'm just going to continue. But yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the dogs. Okay. Okay. The, the point Look, is what, what I'm into what... is my own business, Matt. Okay. <laughs> like, why don't you just stop judging me? I go to different priests to confess these things. <laughs> I'm afraid to look that up, even as we talk. Covenant, covenant eyes, go ahead. <laughs> the point is, what kind of pain do we want? What kind of headache do we want? Because it can be a headache to be, you know, to get those things set up on our computer, but it's perhaps more of a headache to not have it and then yeah. to go down a path that's just going to lead to misery. And I think it's important to mention, too, I mean, I, 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 I was raised in Hispanic culture, and then I've, I've always made that as my excuse for having a certain machismo but it, it's hard for me to hear these things like like something about uh i having software to help because it seems to me like then i'm just literally saying i'm not strong enough and I, I'm, I'm saying like can't i just overcome this with sheer willpower and oh. ha- having to have these things in my, in my my first reaction is is am i really overcoming it if i've just made it so that my computer won't let me look at it or that if i need an accountability partner you know a- am i am i really growing in strength and my answer would be that absolutely because that's what virtue is virtue is good habits and the day will come if if i have an accountability partner if i have software that, that that's keeping me from from viewing these sites if i'm doing these things and there is i'm actually building up my body is building up good habits to no longer need it if i'm addicted or or to build up the the good habits and virtues that kind of overcome the bad ones and over time god willing i mean tell me if i'm wrong matt about this but the 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 goal is to not need these things anymore because i've built up virtue in in my my physical human habits as well as growth and grace to not need them anymore yeah so um in a sense that is the goal i mean we don't want to have to you know christ came to set us free from these things not so we would have coping mechanisms i grant that but that said i think many of the things we talk about when we talk about pornography recovery is just good human formation so what is a 12-step group well a 12-step group is sitting down with people who know me and who love me and who care about my life and they're people that i can be real with okay that's not something I want to grow out of. That's just good human relationships. Right. Or uh, therapy might teach me how to act appropriately when I feel anxious or stressed. Well, that's something I want to carry with me always. Having an accountability partner. Well, what is that? Well, that's having someone who can call me up to be the sort of person I want to be as opposed to just calling me out when I screw up. So I think in one sense, you're right. You know, we don't want to just the, the goal isn't to remain with coping mechanisms for the rest of our life. But I'd say one, it's good that we know our limits and our weaknesses and act act accordingly. And then two, a lot of these are things that just are conducive to good human flourishing, I think. Hmm. Yeah, something that's beautiful about about the way that God created us and having virtue is that it is it's good to make it through habit and virtue so that that good habits and virtue is easier to accomplish. You know, in, in the Byzantine church, this is this is a major part of why our fasting regulations are so extreme. You know, like generally, traditionally, you'd say there's no meat, dairy, wine, or oil for the entire 40 days. You know, you're, you're, you're really daily. What about whiskey? What about whiskey? Right. <laughs> that, that's the joke. You can have lobster and whiskey, <laughs> but you just can't have meat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right, keep going. Uh, so so there, there's something about the, these things aren't only some kind of, you know, masochistic, oh, I'm such a horrible person. I'm restricting all the joys in my life during the fast. This is what not what it's about at all. By the way, I think this podcast is going to come out during Great and Holy Week, so it's kind of appropriate here. But there, there's something there's something about um, saying, as my spirit grows stronger, so does my body. So, you know, if if I get to the point where I am not, of course, the devil's always at work. Uh, haram Faloon. Um but if uh welcome yeah welcome to the podcast um the uh there there's something is about saying if my body itself because of course uh, as any um you know porn's like any other drug you know my body gets used to it and thinks it needs it so that when i'm having an anxious day my body says i know what we do with this we look at pornography that's what we do because then it makes us happier fulfilled you know our body's actually working against us in this way and if we can train our body through you know even in many ways extreme asceticism by saying Every day during great fast, every day during Lent, I'm going to be wanting something and denying myself that. If my body says, well, sure, sure, I want certain things, but I'm in the habit, my body says, I'm in the habit of not always getting it, 
not always having that immediate gratification, then if we start doing that with food during the great fast, if we start doing it with pornography in our lives, uh, all of a sudden we're just, our body is going to get better at, at not needing the things that it wants in the moment. So I, yeah, I think that, I think that as you call it, I think extreme asceticism can help us to be temperate and grow in holiness, but I don't think it can help us break free of an addiction. Okay. And and I've been a little nervous uh, lately as I see online a lot of these sort of Exodus this, Exodus that, or Nineveh, whatever they're called, where these people are taking cold showers, denying themselves coffee, denying themselves alcohol, denying themselves tobacco. That might be a fantastic idea if you're not addicted. But if you are addicted to pornography, I tell people don't deny yourself legitimate comforts because the reason we masturbate or look at porn, well, it's to soothe ourselves. That's right. why we do it, to regulate our affect. So if I'm in this addictive state and then I deny myself all these legitimate soothers, what's almost certainly going to happen is I'm going to become so tense and uptight that I'm going to reach for the largest soother eventually, which is going to be porn. Yeah. So. So if someone's listening and they're like, well, I want to be, I want to be more intense. Well, look, you can be, but, but don't deny yourself things like tobacco or alcohol necessarily, which, cause these can really enrich one's life, but there are certain behaviors that don't. And these things might be YouTube or Netflix. Like there are certain, like we don't usually like smoke uh, uh, tobacco and then think I'm going to go and look at porn, but there's very many people who will just mindlessly browse Facebook and always find themselves on a yeah. porn site. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say to people, you know, eradicate those vegetative behaviors that don't actually give you leisure anyway. Like we've all had that experience, right? Well, at least I have. I'm laying on my bed. I'm falling asleep while I'm watching Netflix and checking my phone. And I'm thinking, what am I doing with my life? This is not healthy. Those are the sorts of things I want to encourage people to fast from. And very often, those are the sorts of things that people don't want to fast from, like social media. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was uh, when I was waiting tables uh, before seminary, I had a, a group of friends, and they were really my only community because I had I had actually failed out of my first year of college and come home. I was doing community college, and all my other friends were all off at college, and I was the only one as a home, so I had to make new friends. And some of them were not the greatest, you know, examples of my life. And I just thought, well, you know, this is what I do. I spend the evenings with them, so I, I started taking my tips and buying. This is before, you know, before the internet uh, was really popular. But I, I'd go and I'd buy a CD every night on the, my way home from the restaurant, and mm. that kind of that that was a, a good enough of escape. I didn't need kind of these bad influences, but, but I needed some sort of an escape. I needed some sort of stimuli, and so. Being being able to use my tips to buy a seat, you know, a ten, fourteen dollar CD every time I came home at the Hastings down the street, you know, where I bought CDs, it was like this is a good escape. This is good leisure time rather than the other. So we we need these. We need our escapes. We need our leisure time. And if you can replace, if I'm hearing this correctly, Matt, if if you can replace kind of the assumed leisure time and the really the assumed escape from the world that pornography can be and have other things that are are, you know, neutral or good but are still escapes, even mindless escapes sometimes, um, that can help us to to build up these good virtues rather than the bad ones, the good habits rather than the bad ones. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we fast from legitimate pleasures, we find it easier to deny ourselves uh, illegitimate ones. That's absolutely true. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess, and so I agree with everything you're saying. I guess I'm just warning against this um, right. This idea that I need to deprive myself of all of these good things that make my life more beautiful. You know, like like drinking scotch with my friend on the back patio. Right. Or like going to a cigar shop with my buddy and chatting. Yes. You know, it might sound holy, but again, if I'm in that state where I view pornography every day or every other day, um, then there are you know, there are other more pressing things that need to be worked on. If I'm concerned about my tobacco intake or caffeine intake, well maybe that's something I can deal with, you know, in a couple of months or in, a, in several months. But but right now it's, you know, the problem is pornography and yeah. Yeah. And I think part of it, part of at least what those groups are attempting to do is connect persons together. And yeah. you have, you have a corporate activity that uh, regardless of what it, what they're giving up or whatever, they're actually connecting into persons because what you mentioned was if you could go to a bar and drink with your friend, that's very different than going home and drinking alone. So right. much of what's going on in our culture is actually people are content living in virtual reality instead of reality as communal. 
uh, we all want to drive around in our cars, but nobody wants to carpool. People yeah. people don't really like public transportation because then I have to be around persons. So then I just put my headphones in, and now I'm in a virtual reality. I, I'm in my own head. I'm in my own email. I'm in my own kind of text box or or Twitter feed or whatever else. Instead of I need I need human relationships. I think that the the pornography in our culture is actually a sign of human relationships are are no longer viable for a lot of persons. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, I think that people fear human relationships. It's easier to be on uh, Amazon Prime yeah. and to watch all of my familiar characters kind of right. tell me about themselves than for me to actually be in front of other persons uh, who are going to tell me about their self and I might have to tell them about myself. And part of the thing that I might have to confess about myself is I really want to see you naked. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's been going on for centuries, you know, like men and women have wanted to have relationships that were perhaps carnal for, well, since the fall. Um, so, uh, I think that part of what we think is, well, we're just going to be so much smarter about this, you know? And it's like, well, if you have the opportunity for human relationships, my guess is err on the side of that than on the side of. I'm going to be I'm going to be completely healed on my own. Um yeah. and I'm going yeah. to I'm going to refrain from food and drink and like legitimate goods um and I'm just going to become this as we said in the beginning this angel. And good luck, you know. One of the most one of the most startling things just in a, one second, Matt, cuz I do want to hear you respond to this, but I I'd love hearing my own voice. I apologize. <laughs> you know. Um, the, uh, I read this book, uh, in, in seminary. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with it, uh, Pornification. Yes. Um, it's Pornification or Pornified by Pamela Paul? Uh, the one by sure. Pamela Paul. Yeah. Pornified. Mm -hmm. Pornified. Yeah. And then, um, it's the one with the American thong on it. Yep. That's okay. the one. That's it. So what I thought was just, I mean, just startling and, uh, I mean, deviant in that book was that porn users actually grow to a point where they say, I no longer want human sex. I actually right. I actually don't want to be with another person. Like you right. would think, oh man, these these miscreants end up becoming just like out in the open and just constantly seeking sex with other women. Actually they they don't, many of them. Okay. I really feel called to share this beautiful quotation with you by Naomi Wolf and it gets to exactly what you're saying. So she says this here is what young women tell me on college campuses when the subject comes up. They can't compete, and they know it. Yeah. For how can a real woman with pores and her own breasts and even sexual needs of her own, let alone with speech that goes beyond more, more, you big stud, possibly compete with a cyber version of perfection downloadable and extinguishable at will, who comes, so to speak, utterly submissive and tailored to the consumer's least specification? For, and then she says, and for most of human history, erotic images have been reflected reflections of or celebrations of or substitutes for real naked women for the first time in human history the images power and allure have supplanted that of real naked women and here's the line that breaks your heart today real women are just bad porn hmm. oh, wow. oh that's 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 the devil that's, yeah. the, that's devil the devil that wants us to actually like move beyond human relationships and, right. and go into somewhere else Father Garonsky uh, from our our seminary back in the day said, "I worry, I worry more about someone who looks at pornography than someone who goes to a um, a topless bar, because at least the person that goes to a topless bar says, oh. I want to see a real person.'" Yeah. Hey, I'm going to say something. It's going to be scandalous, and then you can smooth it out. No, uh, I, I will say something more scandalous. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, and I don't know if I mean this, okay? I'm just trying to think it through, and I haven't been able to articulate it fully. But in a sense, when I learn about people who are fornicating but are in a somewhat loving relationship, uh -huh. there's a part of me that thinks, well, that's at least better. Yeah. There you go. Now smooth that over for me so people don't call me a heretic. Well, um, in a way— Yes. In another way, I, I have to startle some people in the confessional and say, 
Do you realize that you're causing the downfall of a, of another human soul instead of simply your soul? Because the women that are caught up in the pornography industry, in a way, we are feeding it by our consumption of it. Yeah. But I think somebody would say, "Well, I'm not, I'm not abusing this woman directly." Uh, yeah, as if as if that's the heights of manhood. Yeah. Right. So long, <laughs> so long as I don't rape anyone, really, I'm I'm kind of like a philanthropist. Yeah. You know? yeah. I'm a pretty good person. You know, yeah. I I try. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. good luck. Um, yeah. But they're they're actually causing the downfall of another of another person that they are feigning love for. Um, yeah, and sometimes, sometimes people will say, "Well, look, like, what if it's consensual?" And in a sense, it's better, but in another sense, it's more sad because yeah. when two people consent to degrade each other and themselves, yes. that's not a beautiful thing. As uh, oh, who's the singer? The beautiful singer who sings "Hello Adele." Yeah. Adele put it this way: she said, um, "What did she say? Uh, Sexualizing yourself is not a good look, or yeah. something like that." Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think we would. I don't think we would allow the same argument for slavery and just say, "Well, they're happy." You know, uh, right. you know, they yeah, get, for, they for example, if we say, let, let the, as you're yeah, to, to, I see where you're going here to say to the slaves, okay, you may now go free. You have been emancipated and they grew accustomed to their slavery and didn't wish to be free. Mm -hmm. We would rightly say you're wrong not yeah. to wish to be free. You should want freedom. Yes. And likewise, you know, if someone wants to be degraded, I am perfectly happy being judgmental and saying, well, you're wrong to. Okay. And that it's a manly thing to treat a woman who has forgotten her dignity with dignity nonetheless. Okay. Can I, can I, can I bounce a scandalous thing off of you? Bounce, baby. All right. Uh, we do have to, we have about 20 minutes left, but this is, this is a, this is a hot topic. I, I love this. Um, this is a very good, very good uh, podcast um, already. So this could, this could make or break it. Okay. <laughs> so don't screw this over. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Um, we are living we are living in a time where uh rape has become uh sort of a dominant theme in both news and college and uh many other forms and rightly so i would think i would any any man or woman who uh thrusts themselves on another person without consent um needs to be um well, I mean, prosecuted Stopped. and yeah. shot, yeah, all of that. Um, but in what way would you connect or would you say there is a connection between the increasing use of pornography and perhaps a fear um, on, on the part of men or women uh, to not become sort of, uh, well, accused of rape? It's easier, it's easier to, uh, to deal with one's own sexual urges on their own than it is to have to go through the the rigmarole of you know consensual sex right um it, it is the point how what do you say to somebody who says better for someone to look at porn than to go out and abuse someone i would i'm i think part of it is uh i i i, I want to see i'm just posit this question of do you think that there has been such a fear around sexuality um that what ends up coming out is a is a as a deeper uh sexuality like a growth of sexual expression but inverted it's no longer out you know towards persons it's actually i'm just going to deal with this on my own um yeah it's an, it's a really interesting question and, and i'll say a little bit and maybe you want to expand upon that further because i'm sure you've got some good thoughts on it but in a sense whenever we use another person it's almost like we have to first depersonalize them in order to use them yes. that's what we mean when we say objectify right we have to divorce the body from the soul so it's almost like you know back in the day if you didn't have access to porn and you were just fornicating well what you were doing is essentially using them as porn like you don't care about her thoughts a great deal or her dreams or aspirations or fears like really you just want to meet some kind of sexual need and this particular individual happens to be the necessary piece of apparatus to bring that about so i think even then it was it wasn't necessarily personal in the proper sense of the word it's just that now we get to uh treat people like objects 
in a in a different way. It's you know the person that I might masturbate uh, to over pornography and say my girlfriend back when I was sixteen. There may have been very little difference to how I treated that individual, even though in one instance I'm in the room with her, in another instance I'm looking at her through a screen. You know, hmm. I don't know if that gets to your point. But. Oh yeah, yeah. I, th- there's, I I had a I was kind of throwing this idea, this topic out to some of my uh, my male cigar buddies of the night, and one of them. You know, these some of these men are absolutely unapologetic in their in their porn use. They even like send pornography to each other, you know, text messages and things like this, even on a daily basis. I mean, it's really bad. So when I and of course, they don't send it to me because they know me better than that. But but there's you know, I I hear them talk about this when when we're together. And and so I I threw out there, you know, I said, hey, my my, you know, my buddy wrote this book. It's called The Porn Myth. It's about the myth and myths and lies that pornography says. And, And one of them kind of stood up to the other ones. And I was so glad that he said, he goes, you know what? He goes, actually, I know that pornography is harmful in my life. And I know it's harmful because before I looked at porn, I had a very different opinion of every woman I saw. He says, now when I walk down the street, wherever it is, he says, pornography has has taught me that every single woman wants to sleep with me. Every single one. You know, right. and he says, I know in my head that that's not the case. But he says, <laughs> and they certainly know that. <laughs> right, exactly. He says, I, but, I know that yeah. they wouldn't say that. But he says, but when I look at them, that's what I think. And so he yeah, had yeah. this, there was a certain tone of mourning in his voice. Like he says, I had a greater well, grasp on reality before I started looking at pornography. I don't know if that's going to stop him from doing it, but he, he's saying it it changed the way I look at women, and I, and I, it was a morning. It's like I've lost something, right? It was yeah. a really a beautiful, I, a know, beautiful realization. That's a really good point, and and in a way, I, I look at my children, who you know are nine years old and younger, and I think I've lost something that they have. You know, so when you when you there's all these sort of sexual innuendos out there that we thought were harmless and we use them, but now it's like we can't hear certain words or see certain seemingly innocent actions without immediately thinking of sexual acts, right? Right. right. You know what I mean? But our kids can, and you think, do you what must what must that be like? You know, like just a you know, see a person eating this particular food or saying this particular thing without immediately thinking of something perverse. Like, what a beautiful freedom that yeah. people who have not been exposed to pornography have that others of us no longer have. Yeah. Which, um, to your point, uh, the last the last stage of the purgatorio before one enters into paradise in Dante's Divine Comedy is to deal with the effects of lust and right. the announcement of the announcement of this um, this person's possibility of entering into the next stage of heaven is um, the angels saying to the, to Dante, "Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God." Um, so the children, and it's actually the children the, the angels take the form of children. Uh, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. And um, I think it's helpful for people to know that lust on the spectrum, at least for Dante, is closer right, to, to heaven. heaven because it's an excess of love um, as opposed to the other sins, which are a deficiency of love. Right. But in he order— even puts, He even shows gluttony to be worse, right? Because in Dante's yes. point, of course, is essentially you're with sex. At least you're with another person, even though you're using them, when, right. but then it comes— to food you're just using an inanimate object to soothe yourself but i would but i would say i mean to to that effect i mean it kind of goes back to what we related to before the persons that are using pornography are actually using uh, it even in a lesser form than food because food at least has a material good and uh, i'm actually attracted to this material good and there's a corporality to it in in pornography i've actually uh, and masturbation, I've actually divorced the human side of it. And even like masturbation, I'm like, if you actually get to a point where you're aroused looking at all these images, that's better than, I don't know who in the hell can listen or watch hour after hour after hour of pornography without uh, some kind of physical like manifestation. If you are at that point, then there's, a, there's something severely wrong with your person. Well, I mean, this might not be exactly what you were driving at, but there's been a huge increase in porn-induced erectile dysfunction oh. among young men. Duh. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, Duh. and Time, mag- 
Time Magazine ran an article a couple of years ago, yeah, last year I think it was, yeah, where remember. they cited several sources. I mean, ha- I, here's an honest question. I want to get a poll here. Have you guys noticed a considerable uptick in Viagra commercials over the last year or so, two years? Oh, it's it's everywhere. It's Haven't every- you noticed it, or is it just me? Oh no, I, I, if if somebody knew about like the social studies of like commercials, Cialis, Viagra, whatever. Right. I mean, the number of times that it comes on in terms of uh, <laughs> yeah. like whatever programming is ridiculous. Yes, yes, and I'm not. I think they're onto something because um, Dr. Marianne Layden, who's a psychologist in the Northeast, as she said, you know, she works with a lot of people addicted to pornography, and she says that pornography viewers tend to have problems with premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction. Yeah, uh, and Which this makes so, sense. They're so shamed about. But the reality awesome. is, if you are actually having sex with your wife, um, then the two of you would come to some kind of appreciation and healing. And there may be a legitimate time for that. But most of these guys who are taking this, it's just so that w- they can get their rocks off whenever they want. I'll tell you how I deal with the Cialis commercials is I mute it. I'll listen okay. to a bunch of different com- commercials, but I'll mute it. And I'll actually say what what they're what they're trying to say without without. <laughs> oh, I would love a re- I would and love I, a recording of this. Oh my gosh, because then it's just like it's a woman sitting on a bed, and I'm usually just like, I would like to have sex with my husband, but he has these problems. I want to I want to be able to have sex with them whenever I want, and I'm just like, you sound like a whore. <laughs> so, anyways, the um, yeah, I I I think I think we are uh. Yeah, we're in need. Uh, we are in gross need of a more incarnate spirituality. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, pietistic uh, spiritualities don't work. Yeah, yeah and piet- I, I think what, 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 what yeah, you yeah. are what you are pointing towards is actually um, just a beautiful way of saying here are the lies of the evil one, and the lies of the evil one get manifested in cultural expressions as they did in, in earlier times, like with cult prostitution and everything else. And we, as as human beings, not just Christians, but I think as Christians uh, and as Catholics, we have a particular duty to, um, to show persons of all faiths, and uh, but of one human nature, these are the lies of the devil that end up corrupting us. So thank you. Yeah, indeed. Uh, do you mind if I offer a shameless plug as we wrap up here? No, please you're, do. They're great. So people can learn more about the book at thepornmyth.com, and um, we've decided to give all of the royalties to a group in San Diego that supports uh, sexually trafficked women. So I don't make a cent from the sales of these books. Not that there's anything wrong with making money from your books, but I just want people to know that that in in getting this book, not only will you be educating yourselves and others about the destructive nature of pornography, you'll also be supporting a great group in San Diego called Children of the Immaculate Heart. Wow. That's so, beautiful. So buy a bunch of copies and spread them around. Have awkward conversations. It'll be fun. Yeah, actually, uh, honestly, I will make a shameless plug, which is probably a stupid plug, um, but I will say if anyone wants this book and is Ooh, financially, is financially <laughs> unable to purchase it, I will find a way to get you a copy. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, in my bank account right now, depending on how you know discounted Matt makes it for us, um, but uh, I will, I will, I can, I, I can love that he asks for a discount. That's great. I am Jewish. I am Jewish, so you know Abraham, yeah, they knew how to bargain. Um, so, uh, but if anyone, because of financial reasons, now granted, if you refrain from Starbucks twice, you can probably buy this book. Yeah. So again, I don't, I don't think it's one of those things where it's like this is so out of reach. Good luck. No, but we, we, I think that's a good point. We will, we will make sure you, you get this resource. I mean, I, I do think that that's something that is helpful. This is such a, this is such a widespread pandemic. We who are in the confessional here all the time. You, Matt, of course, is at the, the forefront of your ministry, and uh, you, you are supporting your family and building up the kingdom of God through this very specific thing. So yeah, um, we, we will make sure that happens. Um, just, just heads up. I, I think Ignatius, if you buy a hundred, if you buy between a hundred and 500 books, they'll give you 50% off the books. Beautiful. Well then I will, I will personally, I will personally buy 200 books. And if anyone, because of financial reasons, cannot purchase this book, email the podcast yeah. and make sure you ask for father, John Nepple. <laughs> <laughs>
But no, I mean, I, 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 I when I read when I read those books beforehand, uh, the one by Pamela Paul, Porn Effect, um, I, I just, I, I needed to hear that. And I think yeah. what you are announcing, you are a prophet um, who may be rejected in his own time. And years from now, people will, will remember this person pointed towards this. And thanks be to God for that. Well, that's beautiful of you. God bless you. And yeah, I do hope it is a blessing to people. You know, Thank you, Matt. And real quick, I do also want to say that chapter 22 of your book, um, one, yep. of the, one of the myths is we can't protect our kids from porn in today's world. Um, that's a lie and that's a myth. I, I look forward to reading that chapter. Uh, chapter 24, I will always be addicted to porn. You know, to, to end on a hopeful note, um, there is healing, there is recovery through not only not not pietism, but also through through real prayer, engagement with our Lord who heals all all ills as the physician of heal of souls and bodies, as we say in our liturgy. Um, but also with the hope that comes through psychological help and through community. What I'm hearing today, and I guess to do a quick summary, is that is that pornography does really affect the human brain in a very, very negative way, and it affects real human relationships. But the, the, the point of healing is community, is real, is that real human relationships that, that pornography affects so negatively. So, so, you know, viewing pornography and getting immersed in that does real harm, but the real healing does come through, what does Jesus say? Love God, love neighbor, you know, engage it with God, engage it with, with the community of the neighbor. Does that make sense? Amen. It does right. indeed. Yep. All right. Matt Frad, thank you very much. Your book, The Porn Myth, um, a couple podcasts, Integrity Restored, and Pints with Aquinas. Um, you're becoming a better friend of mine. We've been able to hang out a couple of times, and I, I appreciate the friendship, and I appreciate all you do. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'll, I'll buy you a Foster's next time you're in town. <laughs> there we go. No! <laughs> then I'll, I'll avoid you like the play. Oh, I know. All right. All right. God bless you. All right, all Catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Uh, give us a, uh, a positive or negative if you want. Why not? Um, reflection review on iTunes and uh, check out everything Matt Fred does as well. God bless. Love y'all. See you, Matt. Bye. Bye.